means like you're different in some way, like, uh, you know, like you stand out. Like not everybody can be first place, you understand? And so that kind of stuck in my mind. I was like, well, how does God consider us all to be special when there's six billion of us? And I began to think about things that I enjoy in life. Like one of the things that I enjoy in life is I enjoy um, studio, my, my guitar, my music, okay? And I began to think about how special each one of the equipments are that I have. Does anybody have a hobby? Maybe cars, uh, shopping, clothes, anybody? Anybody, help me out. Okay. And then I began to think about how, you know, like these famous people like Jay Leno, they have these large collection of cars. And each car is special to them. And then I began to think about, you know, one of my shows that I like to watch, you know, Orange County Choppers. Anybody like to watch that? You know what I'm saying? And each one of their motorcycles is special. And this is what God said to me. This is what he explained to me. God said that, Joe, you see, you have a finite mind. That means you can't retain all knowledge. So only five or ten things can be special to you. Maybe the Orange County Choppers, maybe they can remember 200 motorcycles. But God said to me, because I have an infinite mind, I know each detail about each person. That's what makes them special. Think about that. That God knows every hair on your head. That He knows every detail of your life. And I know all of that knowledge becomes overwhelming. Even the psalmist said in Psalms 139 that this knowledge is too great for me to even consider. That God has more thoughts about me than there are grains of sand in the whole world. Have you ever tried to count grains of sand on a beach? Just imagine all the grains of sand you would put just in your hand if you tried to count them all. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that God thinks more about you than all of the grains of sand in the whole world. You know why? Because He's so big. He's so infinite. And each one of you are special. Now I want you to think about how each one of God's creation outside of these four walls are special. Even the people right now that are on drugs, they're special. Are you listening to me? Even your coworker next to you tomorrow that might annoy you a little bit, they're special. Your professors, uh, students who may be atheists, they're special. People from all other religions are special. And we understand this when we read the Bible that we're not just products of evolution, that we're not just highly evolved monkeys, even though sometimes human beings act like animals. How many know that's not what we are? We are not the same species of an animal. We're not highly evolved. We've been created special. Well, when you read the Bible, you see that man has sinned and man's gone away from God. He has fallen short of God's perfect standards. He's sinned. He's told lies. Mankind has stolen. Mankind has cursed and taken God's name in vain. Mankind has become proud. How many know mankind is pretty messed up? So what does Jesus do? He comes down in the form of man to do what? To die on the cross. Why? Because the Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved that He, His only begotten Son, that, help me, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So who did God love? The whole world. The Greek word there is cosmos. God loves the whole world. He loves all of us. And He doesn't have a love that's differing one for another. It's not like He loves me more today because I'm a happily married pastor more than He loved me when I was a drug addict. No, God loves us the same. 
But here's the problem, is that mankind still has a choice to whether or not he receives God's love or rejects God's love. When man rejects God's love, now God's wrath comes upon him. And listen, as infinite as God's love is that we were just talking about a moment ago, that He can know every hair on your head, that He knows everything special about each one of us, that He follows us through life and He understands us, all of our hurts and our pains, that He can do that for six billion people, that He cares enough, cared enough to die for us. As infinite as His love is, is as infinite His judgment is. And as wonderful His grace and forgiveness is to those who accept His love, is as terrifying and horrific is His wrath to those who reject Him. Today I want us to start to care about the lost, those that haven't accepted Christ like Jesus does. Because the Bible says He wishes them not to perish. And you may not think you have a part to play, but the Bible says you do have a part to play. We are God's co-laborers in a society right now where you can live in a, a you know, a 15 apartment complex building, and not even know your neighbors, where we become so isolated. God actually says you're responsible for your neighbor. God says you're responsible for your community. You're responsible not only for your children but other people's children. It gets quiet when I start preaching like that. Come on. It's tight, but it's, it's right. Come on. Just say amen. Somebody say amen. We need to care about lost people because Christ cares about lost people. He laid down His life for them. He loves them even though they're perishing, even though He has hatred towards their behavior, and He'll punish them. He's asking you and I to reach out to them. He is not sending down angels to preach the gospel. The good news of salvation. Has anybody here shook an angel's hand, hung out with an angel? No. But you've met a Christian, you've met a Bible-believing uh, Christian, you've sat down with maybe a pastor, you've sat down with an elder or a deacon, you know why? Because Paul said God uses us. We all have a part to play, amen? So there's two people in this room. There's either those of you who already know God, I'm going to teach you how to help others know God. The other group is those that don't know God, I'm going to teach you how to know Him, amen? So that you can do what God's called you to do. Are you in Mark chapter 2, verse 1? Say amen. Roof breakers, let's... Go to our text. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered, so so many gathered that there was not no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. How many carried him? Four. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, somebody say their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8. Immediately Jesus knew in His Spirit that, there, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. He said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. 
Verse 12, he got up, took his mat, walked in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Come on, somebody say that on the count of three. We've never seen anything. One, two, three. We have never seen anything like this. Somebody say roof breakers. What happened was, is that as they were preaching... As Jesus was preaching with his disciples, the crowd got so big that they could not get to Jesus. They tried to get in through the door and they couldn't get there. Why? Because everybody was bringing their sick. Everybody was trying to get a look at Jesus. But these four men were carrying their paralytic friend. And they wanted him to get to Jesus so bad that when they saw they couldn't go through the door, when they saw they couldn't get around back, they said, we're going to tear off the roof and lower him down. How many know that takes some tenacity? The Bible says they dug through the roofs. The roof. The roofs those days were made out of straw and, and wood and, and hay and, and mud and, and some type of brick. Are you listening to me? So they dug through it. It wasn't just, you know, throwing off a couple leaves. They had to go to work to get to the man, to get the man to Jesus. Are you listening to me? I want to talk to you today about you gathering up with some people finding a lost person and bringing them to Jesus. I want to talk to you today about not letting any obstacle get in your way of bringing somebody to Jesus. That if you try to go through the front door and it doesn't work, you're going to try the back door. And if going in the back door doesn't work, you'll climb the roof, tear off the shingles, and bring them to Jesus. Because God is looking for roof breakers, generation shakers, and world changers. Hallelujah. God is looking for somebody to change this world, to shake this generation, to go after the lost with so much tenacity. They'll do whatever it takes. Look at your neighbor and say, be a roof breaker. You see, you've got to make a decision today to be a roof breaker. I want you to see that they had a problem. It's not going to be easy to always win a soul. My mother praying for me had to go through barriers of my drugs, barriers of my attitudes. There's going to be roadblocks on the way of every soul getting saved. Some people might have the barrier of homosexuality. Other people might have the barrier of false religion. Some might be gangbanging. It doesn't matter what it is. We've all come through something. We can understand that. Amen. And if we're going to reach out, we've got to get ready to tear down some strongholds. We've got to get ready to put up a fight. Are you listening to me? When they went to Jesus, they saw the obstacle. What they saw was the crowd was so big. Somebody say the crowd. They saw an obstacle and they brought a solution. I want you to look at that verse again. Since they could not get to him because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, I don't know how long it took, but all I know is they made it through. I gotta tell you all, son, it may not happen in just one minute, five minutes, in an hour or two days, but you better keep on digging till you get through. Are you with me? I came to preach to somebody today. I said we got to dig through till we get them to Jesus. Woo! Come on, help me somebody. I want you now to think about the obstacles you and I may face and the things that God has given us to tear through those obstacles. The way I look at it is like this. Since they could not get them to Jesus because of blank, they did blank. Every part of our life we're going to have to fill in those blanks. You see, there's things that are affecting people today that's not going to make it easy for them to get saved. 
You know, there may be people right now on drugs. You're going to have to break through drugs. There may be teenagers right now, like I said, in gangs. You're going to have to go through the gang. There may be right now somebody just looking at entertainment and looking at the people of this world. And they're idolizing them, idolatry. And there may be people sexually immoral, living and having sex with people they're not married to. You and I can only see these as obstacles. We can't see these as a roadblock. Only an obstacle that we can dig through, break down and get through. Are you listening? Don't take it as a closed door or just a brick wall. Take it as something you're going to blow down and get through. I want you all to listen to me. It's going to take a little tenacity to get people off of their sports and their idols of their lives. People today are more consumed with the Cubs than they are with Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? They can name to you every player on the Cubs, every stat. When was the last time they went to the World Series? But they couldn't tell you one Bible verse. They could, they could tell you how to get to Wrigley Field from every part of town. But they couldn't tell you how to get to heaven. Are you listening to me? You see, there's people who want to live the good life. They want to go out and party. They want to go out on Belmont and Clark and just, you know, pretend like the life is just, you know, blah, say blah. There's people out there that want to live for money and greed and their own, uh, their own benefit. There's others that just say, I want a big house out in the suburbs. Whatever faces people, you better be ready to break through. I'm looking for some roof breakers today. Somebody that's not going to get discouraged by looking at a roof, but see Jesus on the other side and start digging and and digging and digging till they get through. Does anybody want to take this challenge home today? You might say, pastors, those are some of the obvious things. But there's some other things that aren't so obvious. There's depression in people's life that hold them back from Jesus. There's marital problems and the hurt and the pain that they're facing in their own home. There's just the anxiety and worry of how they can pay their bills. There's problems on their job. And all of these things resulting in stress, putting a roof between them and Jesus. But Jesus is calling somebody to get together and build a bridge for them, tear down the roof and bring them to Jesus. Can you say amen? I want you to look back at your Bible, Mark chapter 2, and say, I'm going to be a roof breaker. Come on, say it again like you mean to say, I want to be a roof breaker. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a roof breaker? Hallelujah. Don't turn me down because I'm preaching good. I need it up right now. Keep me where I was at, brother. Look at Mark chapter 2, verse 4. It says that they couldn't get to him because of the crowd, but they tore off the roof. Just an example, you may not be able to get to somebody because their mind's so high on drugs, but you've got to bring them deliverance. Do you get the point? Are you seeing it? Oh, I said, are you seeing it? You see, you think you're just going to walk up to somebody high on crack and just be like, come to church with me? You see, you think you're just going to walk up to them and say, hey, you know, say this little prayer? They'll say the prayer with you all day long. Doesn't mean they got saved. Are you all with me? You need to bring them deliverance. You need to break through the demons of addiction in their life. You need to teach them how to get free so their mind can receive Christ. Are you with me? There may be some people that are in false religion. You're not going to just walk up to our Muslim friend and say, Hey, just become a Christian. Convert to Christianity. Leave behind your family and friends. Be persecuted. Suffer reproach. Become a fool to your whole community. No, they're not going to do that. You need to come to them and you need to expose their lies and show them the grace of God. And you're going to have to keep digging and digging and digging until there's a breakthrough so they can find Jesus. Are you with me? I think too often we get discouraged by the task ahead of us. 
We realize that we're supposed to be winning souls. We realize that we're supposed to be preaching. But the moment we try to share our faith, the one that has so incited us, we're so excited, but the moment we share it, we see that other people aren't. They're not excited. They're all consumed with their world, their life, their sin, their religion. And sometimes people get so discouraged by those obstacles. I'm here today to tell you you need to break them down. You need to get a tenacity in your heart that says, I'm going to be a roof breaker, a generation shaker, and a history maker. Are you with me? That we're going to change lives. I'm telling you today that if this church gets it in their heart, that we will tear down the roofs. My friends, we will build a church like this city has never seen. And it's not for the sake of a pastor or for the sake of our main name, Metro Praise. It's for the sake of Jesus Christ. I want you to think of what's going on in people's lives. These are just some of the things that I came up with. Barriers, roofs. That keep them from Jesus. The paralytic man, keep in mind, could not do anything for himself. Nor can they. They can go to a 12-step program, but they still tore up from the floor up. Hello? They can get an education. They can dress in nice suits. Just like I've said before, you can put a pig in a $300 suit, but it's still a what? It's still a pig. You can put a sinner on Wall Street. You can put a sinner anywhere in this city. It's still a sinner until he's saved and born again. Remember, the paralytic could do nothing to change his environment. He was paralyzed. And because of the sin in this world, people are paralyzed. They cannot change themselves. Here's some of the things that I see. Drugs, false religion, depression, abuse, idolatry, perversion, fear of man, unforgiveness, pride. These things put people on their back and have them be paralyzed as the devil stands over them. Knock them out as a pimp, as a conqueror. Are you listening? The devil looks at his, his victory in people's life and he rejoices and says, Ha, I got this one on drugs, I can take him to hell. I got this one following Islam, I can take him to hell. And he rejoices over those he's bringing to hell. Oh, look, there's a young couple over here. They're having sex outside of marriage. I got them knocked out, paralyzed, just where I want them. But it takes a Christian to get some tenacity to come to them and to bring them to Jesus and to tear down the barrier so they can see Jesus. Can you say amen? It's a challenge for you and I today. This scripture is brought before Metro Praise as a challenge. Will we sit back and watch the paralytic people of our world just perish and go to hell? Or will we grab a couple friends and say, Hector, Arson, come with me. Grab one side. You grab another. Let's start walking them to Jesus. Who cares if they curse us out? Who cares if they call us names? We walking them to Jesus. And when we get them to Jesus, we're going to help them see Jesus because there's some barriers between them and Jesus. We're going to preach to them, set them free, love them on their way to heaven. Are you with me? I'm looking for a church that wants to be a roof breaker. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Now the decision that you and I have today is are we going to use the weapons of this world or are we going to use the weapons of the gospel? You see, the social gospel says, well, I'm just going to give food to the hungry, just a drug rehab to the drug addict. No, 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 no. We've got to do more than just address their physical needs. We've got to do more than just help them pay their bills and put a little yummies in their tummies. Are you listening to me? We've got to come with spiritual authority and anointing because the battle that we're fighting for their soul is not a flesh and blood battle, but a spiritual battle against demons, against principalities of darkness, 
darkness. And you know they're going to fight back. So you better be ready for some trouble. Are you with me? Let's get some weapons then. Somebody say, let's gear up. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5. And look at the weapons of warfare that you have today. If you were going to fight for a lost soul. My mother fought for me for over nine years to get me back to Jesus. She had to tear down drugs. She had to tear down religion. She had to tear down perversion. But my mother kept praying. She kept worshiping. She kept doing things to tear down the wall. To tear down the roof so that I could finally see Jesus. And when I saw Him, woo, it was something to see, y'all. you got to listen to me. I remember the day I got saved. I remember what it was like to need a Savior. I remember what it was like to be dark in my soul and Him shine a light. And I want to tell you what we can do that for others in Jesus. Jesus' name. Jesus looked at that paralytic man and he saw the faith of the other men. He said he saw their faith. And then he said to that man, you're forgiven. You know what that tells me? That tells me I can help bring somebody to Jesus. That means if God starts seeing some faith in my heart for my neighbor to get saved, Jesus will bring them to salvation because of my faith. Are you all listening to me? I said, God will bring somebody to Himself if you have faith. If you and I won't give up. If we'll believe in the promise. Somebody say, you got to have faith. You've got to have faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 as we get the weapons of our warfare. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Somebody say, we at war. You see, the first thing you got to realize is we are at war. This is not a game for lost souls. We're not just, you know, just trying to get people to join our club. We are winning lost souls because their eternity depends on it. If they don't find Jesus now, they will perish forever in the lake of fire. That is a promise. That is a guarantee. Somebody say, we're at war. You've got to understand, you're at war for your neighbor. You're at war for Belmont and Clark. You're at war for the Latino community. You are at war for the young people in Elevate. You are at war here, a small group for this community here. We are at war. We are at war. Are you listening to me? I said we're at war. This is not a game. I know we look cute and pretty on Sunday, but during the week we need to be wearing our battle fatigues, weapons in hand, and putting a licking on that devil. We're at war. Look at your neighbor say, we're at war. For we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, come on, are not the weapons of the world. So when we are disturbed by our, uh, you know, our unbelieving friends, you know, they, uh, they accuse us, they, they manipulate us, they mock us. We don't mock them back. We don't get angry with them back. When the drug dealers get upset with us because we're taking away their clientele, we don't fight them back with guns and knives. Are you listening? When the Muslims begin to get saved and they get angry with us and they start telling them to avoid this church and to not come around, we don't then fight back with news and media and picketing and all of that. We are not fighting with the weapons of this world. We are fighting with spiritual weapons. On the contrary, the weapons we have have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought 
to make it obedient to Christ. We are fighting for the souls of people and the thoughts that they have in their head. Oh, I'm not so bad. I can go to heaven like this. My religion is right too. All of those lies that they believed in their head. We're to preach to them and pray for them and take down those thoughts, put them on the floor, stomp them, and give them the truth of Jesus Christ. Those are our weapons. The weapons of our warfare have divine power. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. I ain't even halfway done preaching yet. I came to get somebody excited to win somebody to Jesus. We need a church that will make a decision. As for me and my house, not only will we serve the Lord, but we're going to get everybody else on the block to serve the Lord. We're not only just going out for our four and no more. We're going out for everybody we see. Whether it's the teller at the bank, whether it's the one doing our hair, whether it's our friend at school, we're going to bring somebody to Jesus. Amen. I want you to see another weapon that we have. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. What has He done to them? He's blinded them. They can't even see. You think they're going to wander into church by themselves? They can't even see. They don't even know how to get to church. And the buddies that they're following are just as blind as they are. That's where the saying is the blind leading the blind. How many know they're both going to fall into a ditch? Are you all with me? I said the blind leading the blind, they both fall into a ditch. It says the God of this age blinded the mind of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Satan will not let them see it. See, that's the war. You see, we're at war for these people, and Satan won't let them see what we're talking about. They may even be sitting in this church. You may be sitting here right now and say, I don't see it. But I'm going to get you to see it in Jesus' name. I'm going to preach you happy right now. And then when we go out there, it's the same thing we do. Preach them the light of Jesus. Like a cockroach, the devil may want to try to just hide in dark places. But we're going to turn on the light and expose him and have him tuck his tail and run in Jesus' name. I said, the devil's been defeated. He's blinding their minds, but right now we can defeat the devil and open up their hearts and minds. It says, for we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. He made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what do we preach? We preach Christ. And what does Christ do? He becomes the light and opens their hearts and minds. You and I have a decision right now. Will we preach? Will we talk about God? Will we say the name of Jesus? Will we be so tenacious like those four men that we will tear off the roof of their arguments and all of the things that they try to have against God? Will we keep preaching and praying and preaching and praying until God shows up and saves them? Are you ready? You see, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a generation. It's going to take a group of people. It's going to take a church that has decided, I want to do more than just come and get my little goosebumps for Jesus. I want to do more than just come and take my communion. I want to do more than just sit in the back and kind of watch everybody else. It's going to take you to decide, every single one of you, that you're going to be a part of those gang of people gathering up lost souls. The Bible says four men grab that one. You can get together with a team and... And work to bring somebody to Jesus. And that's why I want you to see what Jesus came to do. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to what? To seek and... Y'all getting quiet on me. I'm still preaching better than you're shouting. I said Jesus came to seek and... 
Save the lost. What are you seeking, my friend? You seeking a paycheck? You seeking a job? You seeking the booty? What are you seeking in life? Jesus came to seek the lost. You might say to yourself right now, Pastor, I haven't even cared about the lost before. Let me help you. You're lost, and I'm caring about you. Because the first manifestation of a saved person is you're going to want to get everybody else you know saved. Once you get out the rain and get dry and cleaned up, you're going to want to get everybody else out the mud. Hello? Once you found out that there's more than just pig slop with the devil, that there's some filet mignon with Jesus, you're going to get all your friends and family out that pig sty. Can you say amen? you got to seek the lost. We've got to get a tenacity in our hearts. I'm looking for them. I'm looking for them. Where are they hiding? Come out, come out, wherever you are. I'm looking for them. The Bible says they found a paralytic man and brought him to Jesus. It tells me something now about the paralytic man. It tells me that he came willingly. It didn't say that he was arguing, put me down, let me go. So what we have to do is find the ones that want to come to Jesus. You might say, Pastor, well, what if they don't want to come? We keep preaching until they want to come. But there's going to be people, listen to me. You're going to be out on the street and you're going to meet a divine appointment. God's going to have somebody to meet you there. Their heart's going to be soft. And what you're saying is going to strike a nerve in their heart. Just like my mama did November 5th. 1995. God had got my heart ready. Are you listening? And she brought me to Jesus. You've got to learn to seek the lost. Find that person that you can do a Bible study with. Find that person you can keep doing one-on-one talks with. Inviting them to church. Find that person that wants to be brought to Jesus. We can't force them. But we can do our best to get them to recognize what Jesus got to offer. And it's so much better than this world. Amen. And when we get out there looking for the lost, we're going to find them. We're going to find just what Jesus said. He found a woman by a well. And he said, this woman was waiting for me. This woman was needing me to come. Jesus says the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. When you and I get out there and start preaching and witnessing and talking, we're going to find the one to bring with us. Are you ready? And when we bring them to Jesus, we're going to get them delivered. We're going to get them saved. We're going to tear down their arguments. And we're going to see them love Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. I wish I had a church. I said we're going to get them to love Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Luke eighteen twelve. what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look? Somebody say look. And go to look for the one that wandered off. I'm looking for that one. Are you listening to me? I'm looking for that one. Are you looking for that one? You got to look for that one that wandered off. You got to find that one that's got a heart to want to get back to the shepherd. And you're going to help them. You're going to pray for them. You're going to preach them. I don't care how far they've backslidden. You're going to show them that they can slide back to Jesus. Amen. You're going to tell them that they can come back. Hallelujah. God is looking for people who want to find the one. You and I got to make a decision. This church will not be complete unless we find the one every day. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, And the Lord added unto their number daily those who are being saved. We need to make a decision that we want a soul saved every day. We want every time our ministries get together that a soul gets saved. And I'm not just talking about a member of a church. I'm not just talking about they visit us. I'm talking about they get saved, sanctified, delivered, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And fire! Hallelujah! And they want to live for God as a disciple. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Shout, I'm ready. 
You and I got to make a decision that our church will not be just a place for, you know, the spiritually elite. This is not a club. This is not a place where we just kind of get comfortable with each other and our friendships. We've got to make a decision that we will seek and save that which is lost. I want you to look at these different ministries that are going on right now. Every single one of them with the desire to win the lost. Every single one of them with the passion to go get the one. Everybody say the one. Like Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 to go get the one. Every single one of these ministries focusing on the one. Adult small groups, Araceli and David and Dahlia, those working in that ministry and those helping out. You need to say to yourselves, we want one disciple. One disciple every month. So every day, start with a goal. No less than one a month and say, we will change this community. I don't care how long it takes. You tear off the roof. I don't care how many times you've got to meet with them. Bring them over to your house. How many times you've got to explain to them who Jesus is. Why we don't pray to statues and saints. I don't care what arguments and things you've got to tear down. Bring a soul to Jesus. All y'all get together and bring one to Jesus. And come see your pastor next week. We can bring them right here and say, Pastor, we got ourselves one. We got ourselves one. Hallelujah. We need Elevate Youth Ministry to go out to the high schools, to go find these young people that we all know that are in trouble. We know that they have a lot of issues, but we need Elevate to go out there and to bring them into Jesus, to stand on the corners of their campuses and start preaching to them and tear off the roof, tear off everything that gets in their way. Show them that perversion doesn't bring them happiness. Show them that drugs and running the streets, being a thug will not satisfy them. Tear it off and bring them to Jesus and show up here with another youth and say, we got one for the Lord. Crossover youth ministry, the bridge, evangelism, a Latino ministry. It is time for every single ministry to say it is not good enough just for us to get together. It has to be another person here. We've got to go find them. We've got to go find that lost person and bring them to Jesus. Somebody say, roof breakers. You can't give up. I've been pastoring for over 10 years. I've been preaching for almost 13 years. And I want to tell you what, all throughout my life, I have seen all types of people come from different circumstances. I have torn off the roof of drugs, and I've seen drug addicts come to Christ. I've torn off the roof of homosexuality in Jesus' name, and I've seen gay and lesbians come to Christ. I've I've torn off the roof of religion, and I've seen backsliders from other churches and different religions come to Christ. It doesn't matter where they are and what their faith it's your job to bring them to Jesus. Become a soul winner and God will bless you with souls. God is looking for a church that wants more than just the get-along gang. I want you to think about Metro Praise and what we've done. Metro Praise is 42 months old. That means we are three and a half years old. Somebody say 42. In 42 months, we have developed more than 46 disciples. We have more than 100 people in attendance. But I'm not talking about filling pews and filling chairs. I'm talking about people who want to live like Peter and Paul and walk on water. Would Jesus lay down their life and do the thug dizzle for the loaf for shizzle? Y'all hearing me? We have averaged more than one disciple a month. One person saying, I'll lay it down. I'll follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none may follow, I still will go on. You, I've seen you and many others like you, 46 disciples here right now. 
Now let me ask you a question, 46 disciples in your ministries. Will you bring one to Jesus a month right now? Will you do what your daddy did? Come on. Will you do what your pastor did? I set you an example. You saw me, Charles, go out to the hood, go out to a neighborhood I had no business going to, to get you up, brother, and to bring you to church. But I want to know, will you grab somebody else and bring them to church with you? Come on. I want to know, will you go get them? If I came to Ohio Park to get you, my brother, I want you to go out there and bring them to Jesus. Every single ministry, every single person bringing somebody to Jesus. It's not okay to remain this size anymore. It's not okay for our ministries to remain this size anymore. As you can see, I am passionate about this. Why? Because I know what it means to God to see a soul saved. Never forget the value of a soul. Jesus said a man can gain the whole world, yet lose his soul, and it will profit him nothing. And Jesus said, I love the world so much, he said, I'll die for him. God loves us more than this whole world could find and all the riches and all of the money. And we should love lost souls the same. Get up, get out, and seek a lost soul. Are you with me? If you're with me, say amen. I want you now to think of these different things that get in our way. These different things that, that, that give us roadblocks, that give us walls or roofs to our, our destination. Four things that I see you and I are going to have to face. And I'm going to give you right now the solution that you need to get through them. Somebody say, help us. As you begin to go out there winning souls, what's the first thing you're going to see? You're going to see that people lack knowledge. They're living in ignorance. You need to tear off the, wor- the roof of ignorance. You need to break through it and bring them some knowledge. You need to break through worldly pleasures. You're going to see people that love pleasure more than they love God. Is anybody here? I said, they- I said they're going to love pleasure more than they're going to love God. Some of y'all might love pleasure more than you love God. You better say amen. I said some people are going to love pleasure more than they love God. Uh, you all get quiet when I talk like that. All right, all right. I'm going to preach to some of you in just a minute. Uh, and, and the last thing, a third thing you're going to see is false religion. You'll see that people do not have the right mindset of who God is. And that prevents them to see Jesus Christ. And the last thing that people have is hurt in their life. They've been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by their daddy, their mama, their way, the, the way that they've been hurt inside their life. And it's your job, brother, to do more than just counsel them, but bring them Jesus. What are we going to do? Just say, sit here on my couch. I'm going to just tell you how great and pretty you are. No, my friends, the weapons of this warfare are not just the worldly weapons, not just talk. These are the powerful weapons of the Holy Spirit tearing down the abuse and the hurt in their lives. Somebody say amen. And I have nothing wrong with counseling, but we will do more than that. Look at lack of knowledge, number one. Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Somebody say they're just ignorant. Oh, y'all can't get, why am I preaching better than y'all shouting? I said, somebody say they're just ignorant. They're just ignorant. They don't know what they do. They're just like that little baby that pooed on himself. Don't know why they do what they do. I remember seeing this little three-year-old girl come to my office one day. I just peed on herself. She was old enough to feel the shame, but not old enough yet to cover herself and get herself to the bathroom. How many know they just urinating on themselves? They, they know that there's something wrong, but they don't quite have the tools to fix it. Are you listening? It's your job to expose their ignorance and bring them the truth. Number two, 1 Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. How many know we used to be dumb just like them? Hello, how many of you women knew that you were dumb just like them when you said that man loves me but he only has sex with you and don't give you a ring? 
Hello, how many of y'all know we were dumb just like them, fellas? Thinking we were getting something from them and those women were taking sexual things from us too. They were using us. We thought we were the only one with the black book, but they had five other numbers they were calling up too. Hello? You see, the, the, the devil will pin both of us in between. See, the devil don't care about who gets it worse. He hates all of mankind. Are you with me? But we all ignorant. We all been ignorant. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.13 says, Even though, look what Paul said, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in what? Ignorance and unbelief. How many happy for the mercy of God? I thank God for the mercy. That's why I'm here today. Because I'm telling you, I was a fool. And just like Mr. T said, he was saying to me, I pity the fool. He pitied me, man. I was a fool. Are you listening? And all of us were fools. All of us were ignorant. But just like Paul, God had mercy on us. We need to have mercy on these people. We need to reach out to them. We need to preach the gospel to them. And God will bring them out of their ignorance, take away the ignorance, and bring them the light of salvation. Hallelujah. The second thing is worldly pleasures. Turn with me to Titus. You'll see people in this world that love pleasure. They love their drugs. They love their alcohol. They love their cubs. They love their movies. They love their sports. They love their entertainment. They love their alcohol. They love their parties. They love their money, if I haven't said that yet. They love everything about what this world can give them. They love the sex. They love the money. They love the fame. They love the TV. They love what their friends do, and then and, and, and the TV does, and the movie. They want to do it all. So there's there's so many sexual perversions in this world. It's not just homosexuality. Now it's bisexuality, bestiality. Now it's orgies. The people of this world love pleasure. Internet is the number one. Uh, pornography is the number one industry on the internet. People addicted to pleasure. People glutton themselves with food for pleasure. Are you listening to me? People cutting themselves for sick, twisted pleasure. Are you seeing those things on TV? Hello? I know some of y'all have watched Jerry Springer before. Sick things done out of pleasure. The Bible says that people love their pleasure. Titus chapter 3. At one time, we too were foolish. We were just like them. We were the ones sitting right there with the Bud Light watching the Cubs game. We were the ones sipping the Corona, sticking our fanny out, ladies, looking for that hot man to come slap us on the butt. Come on. We all had been there. Everybody here had made a decision one time or another to be like that. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Hello? We were a slave to it. I'm not just talking about addictions to cigarettes and alcohol. I'm just talking about being addicted to sin itself. Just being addicted to sex. Being addicted to the things of this world. The Bible says we can relate to that. It says we lived in malice and envy. Being hating and hating one another. How many know that you knew how to hate? Come on. How many know you knew how to pick a fight and stick up for yourself and tell somebody as it was with a few four-letter words? Hello. Come on. Let's be honest. Some of you still doing it, handling problems like that. The Bible says we knew what it was like. But look what it says in verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of our righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. So Jesus comes to the rescue. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs. Having the hope of eternal life. Somebody say I'm saved. Say it like you mean. Say I'm saved. 
The Bible says we've been saved by the blood of Jesus, not by what we've done, not by the good things we could have done on our own, not by our educations, not by taking care of our family, not by paying our taxes. We are saved by God and His mercy and grace alone. Go out and find somebody today, my friend, who is addicted to worldly pressure and bring them the grace of God. And when you see their sin in the way of Jesus, tear it down with the mercy so that Jesus can save them with the Holy Ghost. The evidence that you've gotten this message today is that next week this place is filled with the people that you have brought to Jesus. You need to click clap with your buddies and your ministries and the people in the church and you need to say, let's go get one for Jesus. Let's go seek and save the one today that's addicted to worldly pleasures. Let's go with arson out in front of the bars on Belmont and Clark and let's pull them out of the gates of hell. Let's bring them to heaven. Let's go with the youth team and let's find out where that party is on a Saturday night and let's stand in front of that house and preach to those young people about Jesus. Hello, Somebody. We need a church that's going to go after the people and tear off the roofs. Somebody say, I'm a roof breaker. You can't wait for the devil to give you an invitation. You can't wait for the devil to say, oh, why don't you just come on in? I'll let you have a lost soul. You have to take them. Somebody say, take it by force. Number three, false religion. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. I appreciate you coming today and giving me your attention, but I want you to walk out of here with the passion of God. I want you to be so filled with God and His passion that you'll say, Man, my pastor was on fire today. His face was red and he was spitting everywhere. But I caught what he had and i got to win a soul for Jesus. You'll say, I caught it. I caught it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I can't stay the same anymore. I've got to run out and get me a soul. i got to run and grab this person coming in the door and say, God bless you, brother. We'll come and get you. Woo! Jesus will come and get them from the highways and the byways. That's why we got a little van. We'll pick them up all over this city in Jesus' name. False religion. Turn to Galatians. If you're there, say I'm there. Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 23 that by this we know what true faith in God is. Listen to me. There's false faith in God. Somebody say there's a false faith. Say it like you mean it. There's a false faith. Some of you here today have been brought up in our generation and you think every faith is the same. It's not. There's not five roads to heaven, my friends. There's only one. And as hard and as as hurtful as that may be, I'm telling you the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and no one comes to the Father but by me. You cannot go through Islam. You cannot go through Buddha. You cannot go through Hinduism. And though there are billions of people following those religions, they are following a false religion. And it will cost them their soul. And you might be saying, well, Pastor, that's so unfair. How come they don't know about Jesus? You know why they don't know? It's because we're not sending missionaries to tell them. We're not preaching to them. We're so consumed with our little church in Chicago that we've forgotten that there's already 5.7 billion people outside of America perishing without Jesus Christ and it's our job to tell them I'm not here to play a game we're supporting our missionary in Mozambique why because she is telling the Muslims about Jesus she's trying to get to as many as she can so that the church may be built upon Muslim converts over 5,000 churches in Mozambique because of Muslims coming to Christ 
If it's the truth, my friends, it's the only way. It's the only way. We better share it. We better share it with everybody we can or we will be held accountable. Woe unto us if we leave them by the road. Woe unto us if we don't care about them enough to pick them up and bring them to Jesus. Woe unto us if we don't get on planes and go live where they live. Woe unto us if we won't give up our air conditioning and our nice tile floors and sleep in huts with dirt floors. Woe unto us if Metro Praise doesn't get down with Mexico and start helping this dear sister who wants to reach her village for Jesus. Woe unto us if we won't do what it takes and sacrifice a little bit of our American dream. Hello, somebody. We don't need another slice of the American pie. It's already got as fat as a T.I. is. We need some more of Jesus in our diet. We need some sacrifice. Amen. People taking enough of the American pie, they've gluttoned themselves. We need to give it back. We need to give back our prosperity. We need to give back our knowledge and our wisdom and make a difference. This is the true faith. Watch. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Everybody say, justified. By faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Listen to me, my friends. There's only two religions in the whole world. There's only two. There's the right one and there's the wrong one. Are you listening? Hello. I said there's only two. The right one and the wrong one. And they are broken down like this. The religion of grace through Jesus Christ and the religion of works through somebody else. I'm going to tell it to you again. There's only two religions in the world. The right one and the wrong one. And the way you look at it is the religion of grace and faith through Jesus. And the other one is by works and laws by somebody else. Muhammad said you keep these laws. You pray five times a day during the month of Ramadan, which is now September. For 30 days you don't eat from sunup to sundown. You do that. You make a hajj, which is a pilgrimage to Mecca. You do all of these things on judgment day. You might get to heaven. That's a religion of works. Hinduism teaches identical. Buddhism teaches identical. Listen to me. It's either right or wrong. It's either Jesus' way or another way. Everybody say false faith. What do we need to do to the people that have false faith? We need to bring them the true faith of Jesus Christ. And it's actually good news. You know why? Because it says you don't have to work for salvation. Jesus already died on the cross to give you true salvation. Somebody say saved by faith. I want you all to stand with me now as the band comes. Stand with me now and let out a shout of victory. Come on, somebody. Come on, what is that little yelp? I need you all to stand up and let out a shout of victory. Come on, shout to God. Come on, some of you need to shout to God. I want to wait for this place to shout to God. Come on, just shout hallelujah. Jesus. The last thing I want to talk to you today about is hurt. Somebody say hurt. We have seen more hurt people in this church than I've ever seen in my entire life. This city is hurt. This city has been hurt by their friends, by their family. A lot of people don't even know their mom or their dad. They're hurt by their family. People are hurt by religion. They went to a church that didn't love them, didn't care about them. Somebody say hurt. There's a roof that breaks, a roof that puts a barrier between them and Jesus, and it's called hurt. It's called abuse. It's called neglect. 
It's called the pain of their life, whether it's done by somebody else or done to them. I want you to see what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to leave them in their hurt. Jesus didn't come to leave them in their pain. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. This is Jesus talking. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoner, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. Somebody say, comfort! Verse 3, verse three, and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Look at all of this He does for them. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Let me just put it together for you today. Jesus Christ is more than alright. He's our Lord and our Savior. When people have lack of knowledge, what do we need to do as roof breakers? Break away the ignorance and bring the light of the gospel. When people have worldly passions and pleasures, we need to break away the sin and bring God's freedom. When people are bound up by false religion, we need to break away the lies and bring the truth. When we see them hurt, we need to break away the pain and bring them healing. We need to be roof breakers, generation shakers, and history makers. Let us start right now. Raise up your hands and say, start in me. Come on. Jesus, give them a passion. Give them a passion. Jesus. Get on the drums a little bit, brother. Make some noise for God. Come on, start in me, Jesus. Start in us. We want to be generation shakers, history makers, roof breakers. We don't want to stand back and watch people go to hell. I need a steady beat. Give me a steady beat. Come on, I want to get excited in this place. Play baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. Y'all came up here in gear two. I'm on gear five. Come on, keep your hands raised and say, I want it. Come on, say, I want it. Come on, say, I want it. Come on, come on, say it. I want you to cry out to God for people right now. Come on, cry out. Jesus, we pray for souls. We pray for souls. We pray for souls. Jesus. If you're in this place right now and you don't know the Lord, you need to come to the front. If you are in this place right now and you do not know the Lord, if you're not right with the Holy God, you need to come to the front and kneel down here and get right with God right now. Come on. Christians, start praying that people will get saved. Come on, more are coming. Come on, come on. Who needs to get saved? Amen. God bless you. Just kneel right here, sister. Kneel right here. Pray to God. Come on, who else? Come on, come on. Stand next to her, girl. Christelle, stand next to her. Come on, who else? Who else? We're going to keep praying. Lost souls need to get saved in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Look to your neighbor right now and say, if you're not saved, get up to the front with me. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, if you're not saved, you need to come. You need to come. Come up to your knees, brother. Come on. 
Amen. God bless you. Come to your knees. Amen. God bless you. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. If you don't know how to pray, those of you who are up here, just say, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I love you, Lord. Now change me. Change me. Change me. Change me, Jesus. The healing Jesus is here. The saving Jesus is here. Come on, anybody else? Ask your other neighbor. Ask your other neighbor if you need to get saved. Come on. Come on. Amen. Come on, ask your other neighbor if they need to get saved. Jesus. I pray for salvation. I pray for salvation to come right now. All of you right here on your knees say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. God loves you so much, y'all, that are right here. Just talk to Him. Say, Jesus, I want you. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with the things I don't understand. Help me with ignorance. Help me with pleasure. Whatever you're dealing with, just say, Lord, help me. Mercy, save me. He's the saving God. He'll save you the same way He saved me and the person behind you. He'll save you by His grace, by His love. Now I'm going to call forward all the backsliders, any Christians in here. You're not living right. You're not living holy. You need to come up and get saved again. You need to get sanctified again. You need to get junk out of your life again. Come on. Come up right now. Come on. Come up right now. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Who wants to get right with God? You come to the front on your knees. Come to the front on your knees before a loving God. Jesus. Come on. Who else? We're going to wait for you. We're going to wait for you right now. Jesus. Jesus. And now I want all the soul winners, all the ministries to come on their knees. And let's start believing God for souls to get saved. As they're praying right here next to us. I want everybody from this church that wants to win a soul to come to the front on their knees. And we're going to cry out to God. We're going to cry out to God. Give us souls. Fill in the front right here.